Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you so much for tuning back in with us here today. And we are ready for another installment of probably going to be at least a two-part series, maybe three, depending on um, how strictly I can stick to um, what I have written here today. Um, we want to invite you to reach out to us at pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach us there um, anytime via email. And as we're always saying, we would love to get to know you, come to where you are, have you come to where we are, and, and more than anything, just bounce back and forth what, what the incredible word of Elohim is, is teaching us in this hour. Um, we love doing that, and so consider that, won't you? Um, all those other things, you know, you know how to reach us. Today I want to talk about something that is admittedly a little bit odd, and, and, and one thing you see in the title already, I had a longer title than this, if you can believe it. But the one I landed on is opposing truth and making a way crooked, a biblical warning of things to come. And what we're going to do is in, in brief measure, we're going to look at two New Testament accounts of some interesting individuals that have probably flown under the radar for most of their historical lives. Um, but we're going to shine a little bit of light on them today and ask why are they even in here. Um, and so admittedly, this series is an odd one. Um, this study was born out of my reading of Romans chapter 1 this morning, um, and then I wrote some commentary on some later chapters that just kind of, you know, next thing you know, I have six pages typed, and um, following some rabbit trails of thought and study, and, and then into writing, um, towards some things that I saw within some other New Testament texts. Um, my goal today is, is twofold. Um, one is to show how incredible the Bible is and how interconnected it remains to be today. Secondly, I believe that both Testaments that we have just chopped in half and, you know, one's this and one is that, but I believe that they've been intricately overlapped um, towards some very interesting similarities that I unearth today. Um, why? In order to teach us something that's very specific. Um, if we're willing to sit down and allow it to speak to us. Now, this took me pretty much all of today to compile and write and follow this and follow that. Some of, as always, some of what I found did not make it into this. Um, but just to be as precise as I can, and, and you know how it is sometimes if you ever try to get something out of your mouth that's in your head and your heart, sometimes you get there, sometimes you don't. Hopefully, Father will be kind to us and, and allow this to make some sense as we talk about opposing truth and making a way crooked, which is an examination of some biblical warnings of things to come. Um, number one um, is one's opposing the truth. Okay, the first one we're going to look at is two individuals, and they are defined as ones who are opposing the truth. In Second Timothy chapter 3, we see some very interesting things pop up, and Shaul Paul is, is warning Timothy, and I believe us, um, of some things to come. Um, and this will take a little bit of time to unpack. I will do my best. Um, we'll see a seemingly odd reference to two individuals that are found nowhere else in the entire Bible, but right here. Okay, nowhere else. And, and this will make sense in a moment, because of course we have other individuals in the Word um, that may only pop up and then just disappear. Of course, yes. But these two individuals... Um, and 2 Timothy chapter 3 are, are named specifically and referenced as being during the time of Moses. And so here's Shaul, Paul, 
referencing two men by name to Timothy, and they are men that lived during the, the age of Moses. But yet they're not recorded in the scriptures, the capital S scriptures, the Older Testament, for us to read about them specifically. So it's a very intriguing um, account, and, and that is, of course, the onset of what kind of piqued my interest to say, well, who are these two guys? What, what's their story? And why in the world is Shaul telling Timothy about them and using them as an example for anyone who would read these letters all the way to now and into the future as an example of some people who were opposing truth? And so let's just read the text because, again, they're found nowhere else in the word of Elohim other than in two verses back to back here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 which says, we will read 1 through 9, But understand this, that in the last days hard times will come, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, hard-hearted, unforgiving, backbiting, without self-control, brutal, hating what is good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of Elohim, holding to an outward form of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid these people. Verse 6, For among these are those who slip into households, and they deceive weak women, weighed down with sins, led away by various desires, always learning, yet never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Okay, and then, then these men come onto the scene and are, and are introduced to us for the first time in all of recorded Scripture. Okay? Nowhere else in the Bible do these men appear by name. And it's hard for me to say these names. I've gone over it the best I know how. But their name was, their names are Ianis and Iambres. Okay? And these two men, okay, and so they're named by name, individually, by Shaul, these two men opposed Moses. Just as they opposed Moses, so do these people oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and worthless concerning the faith. But these people will not make any more progress for their folly like that of, and here are their names again and again the, the last time you hear of them in the word, just like that of Aeneas and Iambres, and that will be obvious to everyone. Okay, so here are these two individuals, and again, I'll just invite you into my train of thought. I'm reading this text after I land. I was reading some uh, chapters in Romans, and it shot me over to 1 Timothy, which got me to some things in 2 Timothy. And next thing you know, I run across these two men. And so, of course, I stop and I start doing a study into who these guys are, because in my mind, I'm reading to learn. I'm not, I'm not just trying to add historical knowledge to my life. I don't that won't do me any good necessarily. I want to know, okay, there is a laundry list of horrible, atrocious things in 2 Timothy chapter 3 um, in this letter that Shaul is telling Timothy, like, you you need to be aware that in the last days there's going to be individuals that that are defined by all of these attributes. And they're awful, right? And we're going to get to them more and why they are what they are um, later in the series. And then he even goes on as, as, as specific as he can to name these two men who opposed Moses. And so he's telling, 
he's telling um, Timothy about these two individuals who were basically the, the perfect examples of these men that will come in the last days. So, of course, these men who opposed Moses and opposed the truth, I wanted to know who they were. Well, who are these guys then? I can't find them in Exodus. I don't see them anywhere talking about um, anything to do with Moses specifically by name. Oh, my gosh, they're nowhere to be found. So I had to do some digging, which did take, take some time. Now, these two guys historically are remembered as sorcerers or magicians, um, like unto those found um, in Exodus chapter 7. The Talmud and, and even other um, apocryphal writings has them possibly alongside Pharaoh. It, there's some speculation, um, but it's very possible, plausible for sure, that they were ones who took part in the events of Aaron's rod. Um, if we know that, that Pharaoh called in his, his wise men, his um, magicians, to mimic and to duplicate, you know, what Moses and Aaron, Aaron were always doing. And, you know, we know how it, how it goes with the staffs becoming serpents and eating other staffs and that sort of thing. Now, these mysterious men were apparently found, what we know for sure, opposing, which is also to be understood as withstanding, Moses and what Moses was speaking. Okay? Now, let me just drop this into your thinking so you kind of jump on board with this train of thought that I'm trying to, to establish here early on. What was Moses, whom they were opposing and withstanding, speaking? What was he declaring? What was, if we could say one thing that was Moses' main, main event uh, and purpose, was he was the one who Yahweh gave his Torah to through to his people, right? Well, I mean, no one would really argue that point. No matter where we are in our doctrinal belief system, no one would really argue the point that that Moses was set in place with very many Messiah-esque qualities of being a man who received and delivered the literal Torah of Elohim, the law of Yahweh himself. No one would really argue that. I don't, I don't believe. <laughs> um, but we need to understand that when we read the proper definition of opposed here, we find that they seemingly were very aggressive men. Um, the Greek word here, to use it and kind of expand it a little bit, is they firmly resisted, opposed, and set themselves against Moses. And to make my point, again, and we'll be redundant, what is, what is it that Moses was promoting that these men would have opposed? Yahweh's Torah. Okay? <laughs> With this in mind, why would Shaul, and again, now we're jumping back, this is going to be constant, Older Testament, Newer Testament, Constant ping-pong back and forth today. Why would Shaul, so many years removed from Moses and these two individuals, why in the world would he use their name specifically to relate something of warning to Timothy in a letter? I find that very odd. What was he trying to say? Now, to be sure that we make the connection that I'm intending, the people that Shaul tells Timothy of are likened unto these two men specifically, I believe, for a very good reason. These were men that Shaul and Timothy most assuredly would have been familiar with, okay? Or else it wouldn't have been in a letter. You would never write a letter to a brother who, you know, you're... you're whether you, whatever your relationship is, and you're writing him a letter, you would not reference an individual 
without clarification and, and elaboration about um, towards a matter if you didn't both know who you're talking about. You would reference an individual that you were both already aware of. In other words, who you were writing this letter to must know who you're talking about or you probably wouldn't even put it in the letter. And so because there's no more explanation given in this letter in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're just told that just like these two men, Ianes and Eombres, just like these men oppose Moses, that's what these people are like in the last days that are coming, that I'm warning you about. They are coming just like those men opposed Moses. These men, interesting, let's follow the, the wording here. Just like these men opposed Moses, so do these people today that are to come, the prophesied age, end of the age, they will oppose the truth. Okay? Let's just make a note of this. And the, and the wording that was used was for a reason. Okay? And again, to make my point in right here, precisely, is, is um, Timothy and Shaul knew, of course, who these men were through historical record, I would say, from what I've found. Um, but it's not coincidental. They would have been uh, familiar with them, which is why they were mentioned specifically by name. Again, today's text, and of course countless others, um, tells us that in the last days, men like these two individuals will not have knowledge of the truth. I'm doing quotes. This is the Bible verse alone, okay? We're allowing the word of Elohim to set the table of thought and consideration for us today. There's really not much commentary. This is just compilation of Bible study today. And so they, they those two men that rejected, opposed, and firmly withstood Moses and what Moses was speaking, just like those two men, men in the prophesied days of uh, days to come in the last days, they will not have knowledge of the truth. Well, what is truth? Has truth changed? Was what Moses taught truth? Was Torah truth? Okay. Was Torah truth? Answer if you'd like. Is Torah truth now? Did truth change? Are we given in the word of Elohim by Yeshua himself or by Shaul or by any other individual a new code of truth? How do we define truth? I would propose that the truth today is defined the same as what Moses was teaching then. So many years before Shaul Paul referenced back to that point of men who did not know the truth and opposed Moses and opposed the truth, we could say capital T, I believe. How do we know? How do we know? How is it just my, that's yeah, just your opinion, Joel, that, that the Torah is truth? How can such an outdated, removed, fulfilled law be be truth today? We're in Jesus. Okay, well, let's just look at the word. My opinion means nothing. Psalm 119.86, and this is setting a table of we're going to go out and move in. All of your mitzvot, if you watch the program or you know Hebrew better than I do, it's just commandments. All of your commands are truth. This is David, of course, speaking to Yahweh. One nineteen one fifty one. You are near, O Yahweh, and all your mitzvot, your commandments, are truth. Psalm one nineteen one sixty two through one sixty eight. 
I rejoice in your word as one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood. Okay, so here's some categories. I hate, David hates and loathes, abhors falsehood. But your Torah I love. Thereby, it doesn't take a real brilliant mind to get here. Torah is truth. He abhors falsehood, but he loves Torah. Thereby, we could say, he loves what is true and hates what is false. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. Again, the theme here. Great peace have those who love your Torah, and nothing causes them to stumble. Was this only true for those who lived up to Messiah? That's a consideration for my Christian brothers and sisters. Does Torah keep a man from stumbling today, or is it unnecessary? I hope for your Yeshua, your salvation, Yahweh, and I do your mitzvot, your commandments. My soul has observed your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I observe your precepts and your testimonies, for all of my ways are before you. Okay, David's saying, my ways are in their proper place. They're before you, Father, because I want your truth, your ways above my own. And we're going to get more to that here in the second compartment of this. Um, but staying true to where we are right now as we talk about ones opposing the truth. With these two men in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we continue. Is Torah truth? Is it? Isaiah 26, the prophet records the words of Elohim in regards to the prophesied salvation of Judah in verse 2. Open the gates. Let the righteous nation that keeps the truth may enter in. Okay? Let the righteous nation that keeps the truth may enter in. How do you keep truth? Well, again, let's continue moving. Psalm, uh, no, we'll get to Psalm in a minute. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. You, however, continue in what you have learned and what you have become convinced of. Okay, you understand this is right on the heels of we're staying in the same text for the most part right here. Right after this warning that there are going to be men who come in the, in the, in the last days who have all this criteria that we will get to momentarily, they're going to be just like these two men during Moses' time who opposed him and opposed the truth. They could, they could not come to the knowledge of truth. Those men are going to come again. And so then this, this warning continu continues in verse 14 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. You, however, okay, so here's this division. But you, you are not like that. <laughs> you, however, continue in what you have learned. Wait, oh, man, we could just pull over here, talk about that for an hour. What would they have learned? We do that on the program a lot. And what you have become convinced of. For you know from whom you have learned, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to make you wise. Let me ask you this. Are the sacred writings still able to make you wise? Are the law and prophets still able, capable of making a man wise? Are they still sacred writings? Are they what leads to the next part of this verse? Le leading to salvation, Yeshua, through trusting in Messiah, Yeshua? Verse 16, all scripture, 
is inspired by Elohim and useful for teaching, for reproof, for restoration, and for training in righteousness so that the person belonging to Elohim may be capable, fully equipped for every, every good deed. Is this still true? This is not, and for those of you who say, well, dispensation, 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 this is 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is a letter from Shaul Paul to another brother, post-Yeshua, post-Acts chapter 2. He says, all Scripture, was Scripture 2 Timothy chapter 3? No. We do this all the time. <laughs> was it? <laughs> anyway, all Scripture <laughs> is inspired I would say yes and amen now is present moment inspired by Elohim. All these things. Making a man capable, fully equipped for every good deed. Is it true? Is it not? Psalm 199 verse 142. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your Torah is truth. What is truth? What is truth? How do we know today in this world of gray? What is truth? This seems like a clear warning to me. If Shaul's letter to Timothy is also applicable to us today, which I'm trying to put some questions in your court, is it or is it not? And we too are also attempting to walk righteous in a last day's world. Let us do a quick run through again of how Shaul defined last day's people. Okay, this will be where we conclude part one. And friend, please, please lean in with your heart and listen to what I'm saying. Okay, we're going to do a run through and read the verse again of how Shaul defined last day's people, okay, who, who will oppose the truth and have no knowledge of it, just like those two men who opposed Moses and what he was teaching. They rejected and opposed truth, and these in the last days will do likewise. And here are some criteria, okay? And again, let's be mindful of Torah commands. That Moses delivered to Yahweh's set-apart people so many thousands of years ago as we read this, because I believe that is what Shaul Paul was doing. He was making this connection, and they would have understood, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we'll get to that. I'm going to read the text, and I'm going to comment a little as we go, okay? Who are these people be like in the last days? These people will be lovers of self. You are God. You are Elohim. As we talk about here all the time, you're little E Elohim. You do what you want. You interpret the scriptures or you avoid them entirely. It doesn't really matter. There's no absolutes. There's no black and white. Love yourself and whatever you want, you do. You'll be lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, blasphemers. Okay, pause. Blasphemers. We just did the series on does the name of God matter? We talked about how you can... Take his name in vain. You can speak against the name and you can do all these different things. They'll be blasphemers in the end of the age. Disobedient to parents. Now, I talked to my wife about this in great length. I said, isn't that kind of an odd one to include in this? Oh, my gosh. Huh. Children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. Right? This is like a list, friend. Ungrateful. Unholy. Oh, unholy. Sorry. Got to stop. Unholy. Not kadosh. Not holy. Okay. Be ye holy, 
set apart, distinguished, as Yahweh Elohim is set apart, distinguished. We talked about that again in the name, does the name of God matter series. We proposed the question. How can a God, an Elohim, who does not even have a specific name anymore in Christianity, he's just Elohim, he's just God, little g, big g, doesn't much matter. If he's not even set apart by his very name, how can we ever be set apart and distinguishable like him? Great questions to ask. So that's just something, again, in this list. Unholy. You won't be set apart. You won't be consecrated. You won't be priestly. These ones in the last days that are coming. Hard-hearted. Ah, Got to stop there. Ezekiel prophecies. You had a heart of stone. You have been given a heart of flesh. It is an Old Testament reality prophesied to a new covenant, new extension of life, regenerate, new creation reality. But not if you're hard-hearted. You're unregenerate. You still have a heart of stone. Unforgiving, backbiting without self-control, brutal, hating what is good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of Elohim. If that doesn't define this age to a T, I don't know what does. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of Elohim. Now to me, even only knowing what I do presently, which is not a whole lot about the Torah, this sounds like a literal list of what defines a man that opposes Yahweh's Torah commands. Okay? (laughs) Men in the last days will oppose truth. They are incapable of knowing truth, just like these two men who opposed Moses and what Moses was saying. Okay? If we believe the entire Bible, like I just read these verses, like like David summarized in Psalm 199, 142, your righteousness, Yahweh, is an everlasting righteousness, and your Torah is truth, again, I ask the question, is what David said still true today? Is it still true? We are also told in other places in Scripture, because there's no room to put all this stuff in here, that the Torah of Elohim is perfect. It's perfection. Perfection, friend. Is it still? Is it still perfect? Or we have Jesus now. We it's like it's like we have Jesus now. We have Jesus now. We have Jesus now. Friend, I want to encourage you, if that's you, to push through that religious mindset that you've inherited in Christian tradition and third century doctrine that has infiltrated what I would propose is the truth. So we're talking about opposing truth which we just talked about, part two is going to be this. Another instance in the word of Elohim, in the Newer Testament now, of someone who is making the way crooked. Hmm. Biblical warnings of things to come. You're watching the Path to Zion podcast. We're rediscovering the ancient way around here. The best we know how. Plenty of flaws. No perfect Bible studies here, but we're doing the best that we can. We're giving ourselves, we're devoting ourselves to this awesome, incredible word of Elohim. So we can be found walking like our Messiah walked, pleasing the Father. That's our goal here. Thank you for watching. Reach out to us, Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook. Subscribe here on the channel if you would like. We'll be back for part two right after this. Amen.